Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. What have you had to give up when you decided to follow Jesus? Maybe it meant you needed to stop hanging out with friends with whom you normally engaged in sinful behavior. Or maybe you could no longer work for a company whose beliefs and practices went against the Bible. Today, Pastor Jim teaches that while the gift of salvation is free, it will cost you something to follow Jesus. Is there anything you need to give up in order to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Jesus is worth it. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 as he continues his message, Continue in the Things You Have Learned. Some of these things that come into our lives and we are like, God, why would you let this into our life? Did you ever think that maybe God's allowing it into your life to toughen you up, to show, to see just how dedicated you are to this thing? You know, to, to say this, so it's the real, to find it, so you can see that you're the real deal. So here he says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what is he talking about? True salvation and real faith and action. And sometimes it is difficult times that's the real thing that's going to you know, really reveal how true your faith is. So this is a true and ever-increasing commitment to Jesus Christ. And when you have that true commitment to Jesus Christ, that will often create problems in a variety of settings. All because, right, that God's intervention in a follower of Jesus' life produces a whole new value system. And you're gonna find a lot of times there's just certain things that you cannot go along with. You have new conduct, you have new priorities, and, and your friends, your family, your business associates, they may completely disapprove of it. And your, your career, some of you will find that because of your honesty and your integrity, your career may be limited. And you know that tells you a lot about maybe you should or should not be looking for another job if they're limiting your career because you're honest. I mean, I loved honest employees, right? I still do. And so that's a very, very important thing. Uh, uh, some people, because of their faith, and we've had people in this church where this has happened, where they've gotten fired because of their faith. I would advise a lot of people not to use the company email anymore to be talking about your faith with your church friends because all they're gonna say is you're using the company email for personal stuff. Now, everybody uses the company email for personal stuff, but they're just not gonna tell you that, but they're gonna monitor what it is that you are saying. Remember, your emails belong to your employer when you work for them. And so I would, not, I would advise you not to do that. And so um, you will be a lot of times called to compromise and that will be a, a, you know, a big thing. And so that's stuff that you're going to have to face and you're gonna have to deal with. Uh, Philippians 1.29, the apostle Paul says, for you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake. Another version says, but also to suffer for him. And so you're going to have to suffer for him. Some of you know when I first became a Christian, I had been in business already for about five years 
And there was a lot of shady stuff I was doing. And so I set out, it took me six months to a year to fix all that stuff. And I had a customer that gave me, was giving me all this business. And he, I went and told him, uh, I, he was a union guy and he was, I, he, we, I, always, I was overbilling his company and I went out and bought a, a couple new trucks to do what I had to do for him. And I was overbilling his company and giving him a brown bag of cash uh, to, to, for, for doing that. Now he wasn't the owner of the company and I went over and saw him at a bar and he was out there at lunchtime and he's drinking with his buddies and I tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around, he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I wanted to tell you I'm a Christian now and I can't, uh, I can't do what we're doing anymore, but uh, I'll still give you really great service. He looked me right in the eye and he said, have a nice life. And he turned around and kept drinking with his buddies, <laughs> right? But God was faithful. And, and, and replace that business with other business, but maybe he might not have been. So I, I, I can't say that's a guarantee for that, but you know, so you, you're going to have different, you know, people asking you to compromise different things. Once again, we come to something that much of the American Christian does not wanna accept in our come to Jesus for a better life church. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the young Thessalonian church. He front and loads, Jesus did it too, if you read him carefully, front, they front and load the sacrifices you're gonna have to make, right, if you become a follower of Jesus. So sometimes people say to me, uh, they, or they'll say, well, I talked to my friends uh, and they said, you know, I didn't have to give up any of these things that were sinful. All I needed to do was become a follower of Jesus. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. But once you become a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to give them up. And they were like, you know, like really? They didn't tell me that. I said, well, <laughs> come talk to me. <laughs> and so we want to, you know, but, but the, the Bible front end loads a lot of stuff. So the Thessalonians were a new church, new people. They were, people were coming to Christ. They were actually multiplying their churches right away. First Thessalonians 3, 4 says this, for in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. So what do you say? They, what do you tell these new people? Listen, it's tough being Christians. It's not always easy. And so don't think that it's gonna be super easy all the time. Now, Paul goes on, and, and so when he, when he tells him that you're gonna suffer persecution, listen what he says, follows it up with in verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Remember, the, the, the chapter opened with chapter three last week, the last days, and, and Timothy, he says, this is going on in your church now, you know it, and it's not something that's just gonna end. Now, there may be seasons of peaceful seasons and less peaceful seasons, but there'll become times when it will go from bad to worse. And so attacks from the unseen world will come. They come from outside the church, and they come from inside the church, from people who are uh, deceiving and being deceived. So there's gonna be people going around the church that are deceiving people in the church, and they are deceived themselves. So, so what should Timothy do? What should you and I do in such an environment? Some people say, oh, I might as well just stay home. I mean, this is, this is scary. But he tells us, verse 14 and 15, 
but you must continue in the things which you have learned. Hmm, where did Pastor Jim get the title of the message from? But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. Some of you have heard say, in the things you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, you're like, what do you mean from childhood? Back in chapter one, we learned that Timothy was brought up in, in Old Testament faith in Yahweh by his mother and his grandmother, and that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, talking about the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So he says, Timothy, I'm leaving. But when I leave, it is so very, very important that, that you, okay, stick with what you have learned about the Lord Jesus Christ and what you have seen lived out in others since your childhood. Please do not underestimate the power of watching other people live out their faith. And, and, and you know, as much as you can, don't waste their time, but if you're serious, then you try to, you try to rub elbows with them, but remember that they might be like, well, how serious are you? And don't, they need to really ask you that, that question. And so the idea of continuing in what you learned is quite popular, quite common, in the writings of the apostles, in particular the apostle Paul. So he's basically saying, we study, we grow. We keep learning, we grow. We learn, we live. This is a never-ending thing. This is, this is a lifelong thing that we are committing ourselves to. And Lord willing, the more we study and the more we learn, the more we are convinced and the more stable our foundation. You should be coming more stable in the Christian life, not less stable in the Christian life. Every little thing shouldn't throw you off. You should start to be able to say, you know what? Been through this before. God was faithful. God rescued me. God took care of me. Seen this before. I, I may not know what to do, but I know that God will be faithful as long as I stay close to him. That's because in the scriptures, uh, he says here that we can become wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus, which is in Christ Jesus. So he's saying there's 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 no other way, okay, for to get to salvation except in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." So it's in the Bible, as we often pray around here, that it's in the Bible that we meet Jesus. So particularly when, when we teach through the Old Testament, I will often pray, Lord, lead us to Jesus. Lead us to Jesus. Now, verse 16 and 17, we have to put an asterisk on because uh, this may just be the strongest statement the Bible makes about itself in the Bible. And so uh, I wanna move along, but I wanna reserve the right to come back here. So you guys will be a little bit ahead, and, but, but because it is such an astounding statement that we must know. And Paul says this, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, some versions say is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, that would be teaching, for reproof, 
some verses say re- rebuke, for correction, for instruction or training in righteousness. Let's stop right there. So having just referred to the scriptures in verse 14 and 15, the apostle Paul points out that the word of God, that the Bible is divine in origin. It's divine in origin. It, it, it has practical use. It will help us live the life that God wants us to live. And it can be done, not of course into perfection, if we want to be followers of Jesus. So it's not just that God is, te- God is teaching us how to do it. He's empowering us how to do it. He will help us to do it, but you have to want to do it. And so he says here, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Some versions say it is God breathed. I like that translation better only because I like the picture that it, that it produces in our hearts and our minds. God actually, as the Bible writer is writing, while God does not compromise their personality, you, if, you, if you study the scriptures very carefully, you can tell the writing style of each Bible writer is actually quite different. The Apostle Paul, very, very logical. Peter's a little more all over the place. Luke is just very, he's kind of a, a, an accurate, kind of a wordsmith in the way he writes. So there's a lot of different things. John is a bit of a mystic, but God does not compromise who they are as individuals, but yet the Holy Spirit, the breath of the Holy Spirit is, is, is writing through them. Now, I think there's lots of other letters that they didn't, they didn't, that they didn't pick as scripture, but these letters, they're like, no, the Holy Spirit was with him when he was writing, helping him do it. And so the idea is that God is the source, God breathing, I think, paints a great picture of like breathing into Bible writer as they write. Now, this has to do with the way that God reveals himself to us. Now, God reveals us to, to us in many ways. A few examples, uh, nature, uh, morality, or our conscience, uh, his written word uh, here, also verbal inspiration as spoken through the apostles and the prophets and, and truth, Uh, comes from God to the Bible writers, so everything that they write, okay, is what God wants them to write. There's so much could be said about this. So next he says it's profitable or useful uh, for what, okay? Well, for, for, for teaching, yes, but also for living out the Christian life, which is massively important for Timothy to remember right now. He's like, you're gonna go, you're there in Ephesus. You're no longer gonna be able to get letters from me, instruction from me. We're not gonna meet up like we used to before. We're not gonna be able to do that. But in your role as the pastor of that church, okay, if you pay attention to the word of God, that that you will be able to fulfill your role. And so he's telling Timothy, it's great for teaching, your job as the pastor, Timothy, is to feed God's flock. That is the job. You don't feed them your own food, right? You feed them God's food. You feed them what God has prepared. And that is the primary responsibility of a pastor or a leader. Now, for some people, it takes place in a pulpit, but also there's a personal dynamic to it too. A lot of times you, you meet with people 
and you're, you're telling them, you're discussing through things of life with them and what God would have to say. He says it's also for reproof. That would be also, some versions say re, re, rebuke. Something that the modern Western self-esteem church wants little part of. I want to be told how wonderful I am. Like so, so, you know, okay, you're wonderful, but you are a sinner too, bro, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, the old expression, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And so, you know, that it's, it's profitable for that. Uh, but the Bible teaches that God is holy, and he also, it also talks about the imperfections of humanity. And so, therefore, since we are to be more Christ-like, God needs to correct our imperfections to let us know what they are. Sometimes speaks through other people. A lot of us guys who've been married a long time, some guy will come up to me and he'll tell me, oh, my wife said this about me. And I said, oh, yeah, God speaks through your wife too, huh, bro? <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's just the way it goes, and so it's uh, and so that that's part of part of part of what's going on. What's going on, and so uh, we need to be corrected. So the word of God is also used for correcting, tied to rebuke, but perhaps more associated with behavior. So there's the rebuke of perhaps what we're thinking or the way we're we're going, but there's also with our behavior. And the apostle Paul might be saying to Timothy. Uh, something along the lines of this. Timothy, since the Bible is good for teaching, but since it's also good for rebuking and correcting, okay, so what, what you need to do is you need to rebuke or, or correct the bad behavior, but correct people into godly behavior, into, into godly living. Don't just be like, hey, man, that's just ridiculous. I can't believe you did that. You know, you're probably going to hell. Not, not, that's, not, that's not being a pastor right now. If they think they're going to heaven and, and they don't care what God says, then that may be an appropriate thing to say. But, but just you want to be able to say to them, okay, put this off, stop stealing, right? And, and put on honest work. And so those are, those are important things to do. Next he says for um, instruction or training in righteousness, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to create habits in people through continual instruction. The Bible repeats itself over and over again. People say, I feel like it's over and over again. I go, well, how are you doing at all this stuff? They go, terrible. I go, well, that's why, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, like all you married women, right? The studies show that women talk twice as much as men. You ask a wife and she says, that's because I got to tell them everything twice, <laughs> And I'm like, only twice? <laughs> and so that's, that's just, that's the, the kind, of, kind of the way it goes. I guess I'm not being too good to husbands tonight. Um, it's instruction in righteousness. In whose righteousness? In God's righteousness. And so how to live before God, how to live with one another in the church. And oh boy, you cannot make a case from, from the Bible that you can be a Christian without being part of a local Bible teaching church. You, you can't. You, you can try all you want, but you can't. It, it's, not a case, it's not a case that could be made. So note the purpose of verse 16 about all scripture is given by inspiration of God and why it's given. He gives us the purpose in verse 17, that the man of God, 
Now remember, he's talking to a guy, could be the man or woman of God. He's talking to Timothy, he's writing a letter to him, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the, the singular man of God here may be pointing directly to Pastor Timothy, and I'm just calling him Pastor Timothy. He calls him just Timothy. And, and he, he seemed to be the teaching pastor at the church of Ephesus. And this could be applicable to, to any church. In the Old Testament, the man of God was, was a servant of God, okay? Men called by God to serve God. Now, this unfortunately is one of those terms that's come back into the church where pastors want to be called the man of God and uh, particularly in the Southern Hemisphere. And so just, if you get into one of those situations, be very, very careful. Uh, Also, many of you have probably come from churches where the pastor has claimed to be uh, the Lord's anointed right? I am the Lord's anointed. Thou shalt not touch the Lord's anointed, okay? And um, that is just pure silliness. Uh, th- those, were, those were kings primarily in the Old Testament, and so you don't say in that. Now, uh, occasionally people walk outside the church on a Sunday, and they'll say to me, and some of you sarcastic people will probably say it to me tonight, uh, they'll say to me, you are so anointed, Pastor Jim. I don't go to them, don't you dare say that, okay? I, I just say, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. God is good, praise the Lord, right? I just, I'll just take it and it's fine. You know, if you wanna tell someone that you feel there's an anointing upon their life, there is nothing wrong with that. So if you've said that to someone, don't feel bad about it. You just don't go around telling other people you're the anointed one, <laughs> okay? <laughs> that's not what you do, all right? That's, that, that's ridiculous. So, so you, don't, you, don't, you don't do that. So in the Old Testament, this is the, the man of God. In the New Testament, though, talks about something very different. The New Testament talks about the priesthood of all believers. And it doesn't mean that, you know, the priest, the way we think of it in the Catholic Church, so he could be talking about all followers of Jesus. Probably the idea, if we want to make a general application for all of us, is that, that, that the Bible's given to us that the people of God can be complete, able, able to rise up and meet the challenges of the Christian life. That's why God has given us this book, so he could speak to us. That's why on Sunday mornings, when we read the Bible, do you ever notice what we do? We stand. We stand. Why? Because God is speaking to his people. It's done purely out of respect, purely to get our attention, purely to get us to focus, that God is speaking to his people and, and he's going to talk to us. And here he's saying that you're complete, okay? And that you're gonna be able to meet the challenges of life as God instructs you through his word if you, instead of freaking out, just say, okay, Lord, I have promises from you. I'm gonna stand on those promises and I know that you're going to help me. And then he says, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does that mean? To be ready for whatever God has for us to do. We're gonna be ready, equipped by the word of God for what God has for us to do. So what, what is he telling Timothy? Timothy, I'm leaving. You have to press on. And you can bank on the fact 
that God will equip you for everything he calls you to do. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So does that mean that I can walk uh, you know, down into a, a football stadium or a basketball arena and say I want to be a professional athlete? It's in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what it means. It means I can do whatever it is that God has called me to do, right? I can do it. So whatever God calls you to do, you can do it. Let me give you an example. You pull in on a Sunday morning and you see guys parking cars and you go, man, that looks like a decent time, right? These guys seem to enjoy each other. You meet some other guys in the church. Seems like a good thing. Now the weather's warm. I don't have to worry about snow. I can look spiritual to the girls that see me win and stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, but you, you sit there and you think, I could do that. Well, you know what? If God's called you, God will equip you. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.